Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. This is Julie Solomon, and I have a question for you. Have you ever stopped yourself from bringing your idea to life because you think that it's already been done before? Or have you ever told yourself that a market is too saturated and there's no place for you? Well, this could not be farther from the truth. And Michelle Schmelt, founder of Numi, is here today to prove that. With zero background in the fashion industry, Michelle set out to create something she needed herself. A sustainable, sweat-proof silk top that could withstand the wear and tear of a working woman's day. Not only did she create this new product, but it became one of the best-selling tops on the marketplace in a massively saturated marketplace. So today, Michelle is here to share with us how she founded Numi in a very crowded industry and how her products have been able to stick out among the saturation. This is a must-listen episode for you if you are someone that keeps holding yourself back because you think that your idea is not big enough or not original enough or it's already been done before. Let's get started. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Hi, Michelle. Hello. How are you, Julie? I'm so good. It's so great to have you here today. Yeah, so I, happy to be here. Yes, I um I love female founders. I love female founders who actually have a really beautiful purpose and mission behind what they're doing um and are making just great change and growth and impact in the world, which you are that. So I'm excited to dive in today and I would love if you would just kick us off a little bit with how your vision for Numi came to be. Yeah, so Numi came to be really out of a personal problem that I was having. So prior to launching Numi, I worked in finance. I was a trader at a large global bank, and I was constantly frustrated by the high cost of dry cleaning. And I would avoid wearing some of my favorite pieces, like silk blouses or even like nice sweaters, because they were either you know prone to sweat stains or they get really re- ruined really easily by deodorant, etc. And when I looked on the market for something that I could really comfortably and practically wear under my clothes, I realized that there was nothing out there. Within women's intimates, it tended to be more like tank tops and camisoles, which are a nice layering piece, but they don't actually kind of protect the underarm area. And then when you went towards more technical fabrics, it was all like athletic apparel, which um, was a bit bulkier and you couldn't wear it invisibly under your clothes. And as I talked to more of my women friends and colleagues, I realized that this was a major pain point for most women, whether it was every day, like for me, or a certain fabric or a certain occasion, like you had a big presentation or interview. And I just identified um, uh, a niche or a need that wasn't being filled in the market. And that's how I came up with with the first concept. And dive us into that first concept. I mean, you, you kind of just talked about it with, with what mm-hmm. that was, but um, how, how was that process of knowing, okay, I'm going to make an undershirt. I want it to feel yeah. like this. I want it to look like this. I want it to be able to sustain the day of the working woman in this way. Um, talk to us about that. And then I kind of want to go into the behind the scenes production of this piece. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I started, I literally knew nothing about fashion, apparel manufacturing. I didn't even have another friend who was an entrepreneur. Like it was a total new realm for me. And so it really was like learning along the way. I started researching different fabrics. I started meeting with different manufacturers and asking a lot of questions. And I think that that is one of the keys is just being really open to what you don't know. If someone says something you don't know, ask or Google it, um, attend fabric shows. So it was something I learned like step-by-step and the product has obviously improved over the years as, you know, as we've learned, gotten feedback from our customer and I've learned more and there's been more innovation um, in the fabric space in terms of uh, performance fabrics. Uh, But really it was taking it like step-by-step, asking those questions, kind of figuring out the next thing I needed to do and, and learning as much as I could along the way, just really being like a knowledge sponge for the fashion apparel manufacturing industry. And during that time, if you can think back, because how many years ago was this? This was back in 2013. 2013. Okay. It's about eight Mm -hmm. years ago. Um, I'm sure that you still had a job (laughs) because you Mm got to live life and pay your bills. So what was that that time like of you having to figure out how to be that sponge, have the time to be that sponge, go all in on you understanding that you had to learn everything that it was that you needed to learn, not only learn it, but then to start to test things out, to apply it while also having a full-time job. What was that, that side hustle, if you will? How did that look like? And then how did the side hustle over time become not a side hustle, but the full-time thing that you were then encompassing all of your time and energy doing, and then actually making money from that as well. Mm -hmm. So I had a bit of a unique, or maybe not that unique situation. So I actually got let go in the aftermath of all the finance, you know, financial crash, which hit up in Canada a couple of years after you guys. And so I was actually interviewing at the same time as I was starting to research. I had been lightly researching while I had a full-time job, um, but then I was interviewing for new roles within um, finance. At the same time, I started meeting with factories. And so that was kind of my big incentive. I'd go to these meetings, I'd go back in an office, and it was just like this pit in, the, in my gut that was like, I do not want to be here. And it wasn't because of the interview. Like I was very comfortable and confident in the interview. It was going back into that environment and knowing that I had really been given this opportunity to do something different. Um, And I just felt like I knew if I went back into that corporate environment, it would be really hard to leave again. Um, And so that I think was a huge motivator for me to really make this work, really get it off the ground and yeah, be able to, to work. So I was working um, with it as basically full time um, from the beginning. Yeah. And I think you touched on so much in that moment that it kind of, in some ways being young and having kind of just that zest and focus. And when you're, you're let go and I can totally relate to that. You're just, it's like there in some ways is really no fear of failure because you only can go up from there, but Mm -hmm. it does take a lot of courage to keep, to keep going. And so how did you, how did you find the courage within you or even just that a little bit of that relentlessness that it takes for you to say, okay, I'm going to create something in the marketplace that I am not finding that I actually need, that I need to be the customer and the consumer for. And what is going to make someone want to pick this off of a rack instead of 50 other thousand million choices that they could possibly have? Hmm. 
From the product side, definitely getting feedback from our customers about how much this has helped them. Like when they say, you know, it gives them confidence, it's made their life easier, they can wear things that they never were able to wear. Like they, avoid, they haven't worn color in, you know, 10 years because they're afraid of sweat stains. And now, you know, they've opened up like 99% of their wardrobe that they were avoiding previously. So that's like really, really inspiring. And then courage to continue. I think it's, it's being able to create not just a business and a product that solves real life problems. That's inspiring, but also a different type of business culture, like coming from the financial side of things where it really is all about like the hustle and the FaceTime and the, like, you're really just a number at the end of the day. Like I worked at a very large bank to being able to create, you know, a, company and business environment where people matter and like personal development matters, career development matters. What So it's not just that what we're doing matters, but it's like who I'm working with also really matters. And I think as we see, there's a huge shift happening. I think right now we're seeing it within the work world. And it's not just about like time and days. I think it's shifted. And I think a lot about like a contribution, like how are you contributing versus like, how are you just putting in time? Because if you're just putting in time, it's like you're expendable. If you think about how you're contributing, like we really each matter. And if you're starting out a business, your team matters so, so, so much and valuing them is so important to success. Oh, that's so true. And, you know, I, I'm sure it's pretty easy for someone that may be listening. That's like, oh, well, you know, Numi's this massive brand and Kelly Ripa wears it and da, 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 da. But you didn't start out that way. And so no. I would love for you to take us back to those early stages of what was your marketing and getting the word out? How did you get your prototypes at the time on the backs of these women? So you could get that feedback and you could, you know, then go back, test it, make it better or whatever it was, but just to get the word out of like, Hey, we have this really amazing, sustainable product, try it out and see what happens. Mm -hmm. When I first started, I launched with a very traditional retail strategy. So looking to get into small independent boutiques. And so we were initially in a couple hundred boutiques across mostly the Northeastern US and Canada. And I literally packed my samples in my car and I would just hit the road, drive. I wouldn't even make appointments because I realized most boutiques like will not answer the call, the phone or they will not like answer an email. However, the owners are usually in the store. So I would just like walk in with my like samples and like, you know, try and hit them with the important information as, as, as fast as I could and write the order. So I was really like hustling, I guess, from that perspective. And at the same time though, e-commerce and like online marketing was really starting to take off, particularly like Facebook ads, Instagram ads. And it was a classic like 80-20 scenario where 80% of my time was spent like on the road trying to open these wholesale boutiques, but 80% of our revenue um, was coming from on, from online. And I think it was because, because we have a such such a niche product and such a like clear, like this is the problem, this is the solution. We were able to communicate the value prop, props like very clearly through um, email, like through direct to consumer. So like this, you know, and, and also because of our product has Sometimes women don't necessarily want to talk about their sweat stains or this is a problem. And there's a bit of a social stigma attached to it. And online, there's no salesperson judging you. There's, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, I have that, that problem click. And so we really focused on developing that direct relationship with our customer, which I think at the end of the day also really helps the business grow and us learn who we are 
because now we can have that conversation and it's not like through a third party. Oh yeah. I think my customer is like that. Or I think I like that. It's like, we can actually talk to our customers. They give us direct feedback. And um, so that's been a really important part of our growth. Amazing. And you just, you had a really great product. And I think that when someone really nails down on being a solution provider for a problem and you know it so clearly and you make a really good product, you can't, can't deny that. It's like that saying, be so good. You know, they, they can't say no. Um, Totally. And I think with anyone like who's maybe has a business idea and sometimes you're like, oh, well, it's been done or that like, what I always think too, is you don't even need to necessarily like completely reinvent the wheel. Like I didn't invent a t-shirt like that are like these, the components are you right. It's just like thinking about, I didn't invent technical fabrics. It's like thinking about what's already out there, but like what's missing and how can you, like, how do you solve a problem kind of reinventing the wheel? You don't need to like, or sorry, I guess you are reinventing the wheel, but you're not creating something totally new. It's just like almost repurposing things or finding a new use case or just being really creative with that. And I think that that's kind of where sometimes people get stuck. And even if there is something similar, like I'm sure you're bringing something to the table that's a little bit different. Like for us, our niche really is these women who work in a professional environment. They have a certain like style and aesthetic that they wear. So they don't want that like athletic top. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow, you need to scale, you need a marketing strategy, you need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on so you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff, and it's called This is Small Business. 
This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. I think that that is, is such a great point to drive home because that that is like the number one thing that I think keeps so many people stuck. They're like, well, it's already been done. So why would anyone want my shirt or my, you know, nighttime lotion or my eye cream or whatever it is? And, um, and, and you just saying it's, it's about your unique spin on it and how it makes mm-hmm. it unique and special is what's really going to drive that home. And I want to touch on that a little bit because you, you talked about the fabrics. So what about, I, I have two questions. I want to know about the fabrics first, and then it goes into my next question, which, which may be answered in my first question, but sustainable silk, what is it and why should we care? Mm-hmm. So I really get inspired by fabrics and how, you know, how they can solve different problems. Like literally my office is just piled with different fabrics watches. And I love one of the hardest things with the pandemic is that all of the fabric shows have been closed. And I just love going and learning about what these companies are working on and the new innovations that are out there. And then I'm like, my wheels get turning in terms of, okay, like how can that solve all the problems that I know women are facing within their wardrobe? Um, so sustainable silks, when we when we started thinking about, okay, who, who is Numi and what do we want to do next? Because we had the undershirt, which was clearly a hit, clearly solved a very specific problem, added a lot of value to our customer. And maybe innately you would think, okay, let's do more like undergarments, for example, because an undershirt you would think is maybe an underpinning. But then as we spoke with our customers and we started to do a lot of market research, we realized she didn't view us as part of her undergarments. She viewed our undershirts as part of her work wardrobe. So we started to dive deeper into there. Okay, well, what are other problems that you have? Like, what is another annoying thing about getting dressed for work in the morning? And what kept coming up is that women love silk because it's, you know, beautiful, elevated fabric. You feel just so put together as soon as you put it on. But at the same time, it is such a pain. It's like the second you put it on, like you haven't even moved and all of a sudden there's like a stain from somewhere, right? And then it's either totally ruined, like sometimes it will never come out or you have to dry clean it or like delicately hand wash, just not to mention change your whole outfit and probably be like 30 minutes late for your day. And so we developed a silk fabric that it's a blend of Naya, which is a very sustainable fiber and silk. And that makes it a bit more durable. So it's completely machine washable and you can throw it in the dryer and it is stain repellent. So literally coffee, water, wine stains will just like roll right off the fabric. So if you spill water or sorry, coffee, like on your walk to work, you can literally just like brush it off and keep going. And then throw it in the washer at the end of the day, throw it in the dryer. And one of the cool things is that the heat actually reactivates the technology. So it's not going to wear off like a lot of technical fabrics will. Oh, that's so cool. And um, what, how long did it take you? Because I was going to say, what was the process of you hearing that problem and being like, okay, now I'm going to go figure out this solution and create this solution and put it out on the marketplace. What what were the trial and error processes of, of getting it and fine-tuning it and finding just the right fabric to hit all of those points that you needed to hit? 
It was a few years in the making, partially slowed down for sure by the pandemic because we designed the fabric we had almost developed before the pandemic hit. So we did work with a, a fabric partner who helped us really refine the actual like composition of the technology. Um, and then we designed the whole collection basically virtually, which really slowed things down as I'm like talking to my pattern maker over Zoom, trying to like point to, you know, a seam that needs to be changed or whatnot. So uh, it usually does not take that long to to design the collection, um, but it was a little slowed down due to things due to that. And then we launched with four different styles. And what we do really well, I think, is we really focus on pieces that are really timeless. And so not only are they sustainable, but they're really going like, to last the test, the test of time. So we want to make sure when we design something, can you wear it? to work? Can you wear it on the weekend? Can you wear it in summer? Can you wear it in winter? And I think that that's really when I think about like the future of fashion and style, I think what people want is more fluidity in their wardrobe. And I know like, even when I was working, I always wanted my work pieces to be something I could also wear on the weekend. Cause if you're going to invest, it's like, okay, how can I style that differently? And that was another pain point. It was like, I had the work wardrobe and then I had my like personal wardrobe. And so what we try and think about when designing is like, how can you add some fluidity? So you're getting a lot of wear out of these pieces. And so, yes, it's like maybe a bit more of an investment. You're also going to wear it a lot more and for a lot longer. Yeah. And it's going to last. You're not going to have a hole in it in two days. And you yeah, know, exactly. It's, it's exactly. going to actually you don't need to be you. afraid about. Yeah, exactly. Can't wash it or it might fall apart. Exactly. Yes. What is a fabric? And I'm just curious since you love it. What is a fabric that you feel is way underused, but like amazing and incredible? Oh, um, well, I would say our sustainable silk is way there underused and amazing <laughs> and incredible. We use also like, there's a lot, our, our undershirts are made out of Kinsel, which I think is a really beautiful fabric as well. Also yep. sustainable, um, really soft, comfortable, um, thermoregulating. So again, it's nice, like all year round, you don't need to worry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I think that's so cool. And like most people, they don't, we don't even think about that. It's like, Oh, mm -hmm. this is cotton or this is satin or this feels good. You don't even know what it is. It just, it totally. feels good. It feels good. Yeah. And I think too, I would say like in the sustainable realm too, just because something is like natural or synthetic doesn't mean it's sustainable or not. Like there's a lot of cottons that are highly unsustainable just in the way that they're produced. And then the innovation within this, the synthetic world, exactly. You can get some beautiful fabrics that feel amazing and are like recycled ocean waste or, you know, so I think there has been a huge shift, which I love seeing within the fashion industry. It's just really exciting. And I think there's a little bit of education to say just because before we used to think, okay, something synthetic, it's bad. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads me to what I want to chat with you about now is, you know, your vision, your, your mission, your values. I actually see them behind you right now. If those are oh, yeah. written yeah. on the wall. So <laughs> share with us what those are and, and why they are so important when you are growing a business that you want to really stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. So we really at our heart view ourselves as like a product development company. So really identifying what are those pain points in a woman's life that we can solve. And we use three words to guide our product development. We say practical, beautiful, and sustainable. So practical meaning how is this solving a problem? How is it adding value to her life? Because I don't want to make just another t-shirt or just another candle or just another, like there's so, I believe there's so much stuff. We're all trying to like declutter and like 
you know, kind of clear out, like just simplify our life. So not adding more stuff is important to me. Um, sustainable, obviously, how can we, and we're not everything we do is perfect. Like we're a small company, we're working with, you know, what's out there and we have our goals of how we can always be improving, but are we always using the most sustainable fabrics that we can, the most sustainable, you know, packaging that we can just always assessing that and always trying to do better and measuring ourselves against our goals. And then beautiful is what I think kind of is our niche and trifecta between them, because there's a lot of things out there that are practical or functional, but they're not necessarily stylish. And then same within the sustainable side of things. There's a lot of things that are sustainable, but again, they're not, they're not as beautiful or stylish. And I think that our customer, at least, she wants to feel really good. She wants, you know, she, she does believe her clothes impact how she feels and kind of it's a reflection of, of her and it's it's a way we express ourselves. And I think that that's really important. And so we try and marry those three together and, and knowing what our guiding principles in terms of product development helps keep us like on course because especially as an entrepreneur with a lot of ideas, you know, there's a lot of like shiny things of distraction out there. And it's really just like, and even in the fabric space, right? Like there's some beautiful fabrics that I'll find, but if they don't align with those three guidelines, then we won't move forward with them. Or maybe there's like a style that I really want to create, but if it's not something that I think is really going to stand the test of time, then it doesn't, you know, make its way through the filter. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the ways that you can get into trouble, especially as a product-based entrepreneur, is having too many SKUs and being too broad, especially when you're starting. It's kind of like, what is your niche? What are you super, super good at? And then you can kind of slowly add in, but you can't do everything or people are going to, you know, they're going to be like, who are you? Why are you like, what is your thing? And I think, so being really specific and very focused on, um, on what you're doing is really important. Not to mention the cost of like inventory will kill you if you, you know, if you're trying to do a thousand skews. So. Yes. I think that's a great, great takeaway and feedback. And when it comes to the reach, you know, and I mean, we've touched on the fact that you just, you have such an incredible product that really does speak for itself. And I know that there's listeners right now that may have their own product line and they're like, okay, well, how do you get it into the hands of the Kelly Rippas of the world? I mean, did, did, did she stumble upon it or did you somehow do that? Like, how has that aspect of things, um, how has that worked for you and what has worked really well? And then what do you feel like is more, we didn't really have anything to do with it. It was just more of this organic process that happened. Yeah, we, um, so we worked with a PR agency who helped us, who, who had a relationship with her stylist. Um, but so I think it was a, that connection and then be a little bit of magic because I'm sure she gets sent stuff like all the time. And so she happened to love it. And I mean, there's times she's worn our blouse like three times in a week, like it's crazy. So, um, so I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I think a little bit that yes, definitely we, we had that support to like get it in front of her and then the, the magic that she ended up also loving, loving it. And really you, it truly become a staple of hers. Like investment well spent on the PR side there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's amazing. amazing. And do you also see too, because I mean, she's such a massive celebrity and she's in people's homes every single day. Do you also see just a really good domino effect of reach and feedback and sales and, and really just people, the impact that you can, that you can create 
from, you know, influencer marketing and, you know, people just talking about it on social media. I mean, obviously we can wear it walking down the street, but a lot of us haven't left our homes in the last two years. So it hasn't been those TikToks and those stories and, and really people kind of showing and showcasing how it can be used on a social media platform been helpful for you. Yeah. So influencers are a tricky one because for sure, you know, you get the right influencer with the right following. It can definitely be a game changer. However, I think it's a little bit more like if you're thinking about a marketing funnel, it's like more at the top. Like I think there's a lot more lower hanging fruit that you should be touching upon first from a marketing perspective. Um, So something like a Facebook ads and Instagram ads where you're getting that actual direct feedback and you know what's converting, what's working, and you kind of can immediately see your return on your, on your advertising spend, email marketing, making sure you have um, that pop-up that you're collecting your customer's email and, and having a regular communication with them. So you're sending out, whether it's, you know, there's kind of the rules, like, I think it's like four emails of content to like one ask, like not always like, you know, hitting them with asking for sales, but it doesn't have to be that many a week either. Like, as long as I think you're like once a week so that, you know, there's like a regular cadence because influencers can get really expensive really quickly. And you can't always fully measure like the impact that they have. Um, but, but as you're growing and you're trying to reach more people. So yes. So I think it's a bit of a balance and obviously it depends on on your marketing budget. And then, I mean, TikTok, I'm still trying to figure out to be honest. So me too. I, but I have heard some like crazy, amazing success stories on TikTok. I actually think TikTok is like, it's kind of like where Instagram was like six years ago. Like Instagram, I think is more of a nurturing platform now. Like I think it's really tough to like grow your following unless you're doing paid, find paid, you can get in front of people. But from an organic perspective, it, it's almost like an extension of your of your website. Like you need to have a beautiful account. It needs to reflect your brand. Um, but I think it's hard to actually grow your community now on Instagram, unless people are coming to you from other platforms and then following. Whereas TikTok, I think it's still an opportunity to actually like go viral per se and like actually see some growth. And, and that one it's, it's, you're still in the testing phase, right? It's like just testing different types of content, seeing what works, being consistent. And, um, I haven't cracked that nut yet. So I'll have to, we'll have to do a 2.0 if I ever do. <laughs> I know me too. And when it's just really interesting and sometimes bizarre, what ends up going viral over there. So it's, it's definitely totally. still in the testing phase for sure. And, and I, I think it's what like you said. maybe like our generation, like, like I've now had to, like, I just spend, I'm kind of having to spend like 20 minutes a day, just actually using it. Cause at first I was like, I'm going to go on TikTok, but I wasn't like a user. And now I'm like trying to understand And I think that's another thing, like there's no quick win anywhere, right? Like even on that type of platform, like you need to become a user before you can become a content producer. So yeah, I would agree with that. And and you have to enjoy it. Like I just haven't gotten to that place yet either. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I loved what you said about just the reality of, you know, it really is, it's not just a one size fits all. It's like, you know, ads could could be able to convert really well with you in certain arenas, then you're going to have, you know, maybe, you know, some influencers that you test out that work well for you, that maybe you continue to work with. And then you've got your email marketing, which I think for, 
you know, a lot of brands understand this, but even from solopreneurs and content creators that are starting their own, you know, starting to create their own products and services really underutilize the power of email marketing and the power of being able to have someone raise their hand and say, I want to give you my email and I want you to email me. And so I love that you mentioned that and, um, and kind of how you're using all of the things to really spread, spread not only your products and the benefits of wearing them, but the impact that you stand for. Um, so I would love to chat about what, what are you most excited about that's coming down the pipeline um, with Numi? Well, we have two new product lines, two new fabric categories coming out this year. So I am very, we're back in the office. We are back having design meetings. And so I'm just super excited about the the new products that we're creating. So it's um, stay tuned. So we've got some, and then we also have some extension off, extensions off our existing products. So there'll be some new silk styles coming out, um, some new basics pieces, and then some new fabric ways coming this year. So lots happening. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So mm-hmm. Michelle, share where if we may probably have a lot of listeners that know Numi, mm-hmm. love it, already have your products. But for those that are just hearing about Numi for the first time today, where can they learn more about you, buy the products, kind of peruse mm-hmm. through all of them? Give us your website and your socials. Yeah, of course. So we are, it's wearenumi, W-E-A-R-N-U-M-I.com. And then Instagram and TikTok, we're both at wearenumi, W-E-A-R-N-U-M-I. Awesome. And we'll make sure to have Mm -hmm. those links in the show notes for you all. If you end up, you know, if you already are a new me wearer (laughs) and Mm -hmm. a new customer, you know that I love to hear your feedback. So you can screenshot today's episode. Even Michelle's dog wants to, you know, I know (laughs) he's like, all right, what about me? Like, wait, what about, what about me? Um, Screenshot today's episode. Let us know what your biggest takeaway was or what you really loved most about today's conversation. If you are a Numi fan and a Numi customer, also let us know that. I know Michelle would love to see those screenshots as well. And um, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and just being an incredible female founder with a mission to impact and make the world a better place. That is huge. So thank you for, for being that and, and embodying that and being an example of that. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I love your podcast and look forward to continuing to listen. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information in and you will get on the list and start receiving all all of that good stuff.